Now, I want you to turn in your Bible to Isaiah 40, 31. While you're turning there, and you can watch on the screen, or if you're looking on your iPhone, uh, pull that up, Isaiah 40, 31. Let me just uh, introduce my message. I'm calling our message this morning, When God Puts You on Hold. When God Puts You on Hold. There are times in our lives when God puts us on hold. We're not going backwards, but we're not going forward. It's a time to just see some things happening in our life and for us to do some things that we have maybe procrastinated in doing. So I want to take you, first of all, to the Scripture from Isaiah. The prophet says in the 40th chapter, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Listen to Jeremiah. Before I read it, let me just tell you what has happened. God, as he did in several places in Scripture, allowed his people to be put under the bondage of a godless people. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, they were taken from their houses. They were put in bondage. And in that period of time, Jeremiah was a prophet. God rose up to guide the people through this very difficult time where it looked like that things were never going to get better and there was nothing else to live for. And yet there's a great end to the story. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me if you search for me with all of your heart. That's a very positive scripture to those of us that are struggling even the most. And I want you to listen this morning, and I want you to act as though the Lord just wants to speak to you personally, not to everybody else that's here, but to you personally. Again, when the, when the wheels come off, and for all of us at some point in life, it seems like that happens, or maybe we, we might use the script, the description the bottom has dropped out I don't know if that's just for the south or not but I've heard that used a lot of times As a matter of fact it's used so much that we have a little phrase that we use see how often you use this phrase and how often you hear other people use it in the meantime in the meantime well this is this and this that but in the meantime well I've lost my job but in the meantime you know that waiting period that in the meantime, now this morning, some of us in the meantime, we can't go back and we don't know what's happening in the future. So we're in the meantime. Now I want you to think with me as we go through this, because meantime experiences always happen when we have bad things happen in our life. It just seems like that always pops up. I don't know what I'm going to do, but in the meantime, there's a waiting we regroup. We reprogram. We go to the doctor and say, what's wrong with me? And uh, 
They gave you a prescription. You got 21 days, seven days. I went to the doctor the other day, had a little cough. And one of them was seven days, another one was 21 days. I don't know which one to do. You know, I went over in seven days. So I don't know whether I'm supposed to take the seven and drink the other 21 the first seven days. I don't know how that all works, but I'm just glad in at least the maximum time, 21 days, I'm going to quit this hacking cough. Isn't that something? Well, you'll see me then. We'll find out, all right? But the point is, it's the in the meantime. The right now. You ever get around people living in the past? Kind of boring, aren't they? And when you get about people that always prophesy in the future, that's even worse. Everybody's predicting this, predicting that. They predict football games. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to win the election? I mean, it's on always, always. But in the meantime... As we wait for the sweet by and by, we got to listen in the nasty now and now. And you just happen to be at that time this morning, so we're glad that you're here. But I just want to say something from my experience. Not many people that I've ever known, in fact, I don't know a single one, that just stayed on the mountaintop. I don't know anybody that's ever lived on the mountaintop all their life. I was born on the mountaintop, went to college on the mountaintop, got my first job on the mountaintop, retired on the mountaintop. I'm still on the top floor of the hospital. I'm just staying on top. I don't think I've ever met anybody that could say that. The Bible says life is difficult, full of trouble. Lots of ups, lots of downs. But it's not just like this. I think it's more like this. You think about your life as I'm thinking about mine. When the bad news comes, we cry out, oh, God. Don't let this happen to me. Doctor, I mean, uh, God, tell me what the, that the doctor's wrong. The x-rays are not right. I mean, that's just the way it is. But let me give you a good thought. Listen to me very carefully. Wherever the will of God leads us, the grace of God will sustain us. Understand? Yea, though I walk through the valley, thou art with me. Now, you may be in the valley, you may be on the mountaintop, or you may be going one way or another, up and down. But you can trust me, God is here, right here. You know why? Because we've gathered in his name. He said, when my people gather in my name, I will be in the midst. All over this building are sinners saved by grace. They've become heirs of God and joined heirs with Jesus Christ. They've been adopted into the family, not because they're any better than anybody else, but they have received their gift. And when we meet on Sunday, we don't meet for a show. We meet to worship him and he shows up. Now, when he shows up, he's available to anyone, whether you intended to come or somebody drug you in here today, or if you're watching because you're staying with somebody in their home and they happen to watch uh, living truth and you're having to watch today, it doesn't matter. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. So how do you, how do you handle these in the meantime experiences if you're going through one? Second Corinthians 12, 9, Paul is saying, and it's quoting from the Lord and saying, and he said, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes when we are the weakest, God mightily uses us. How many times, this is a rhetorical question, you don't have to count or raise your hand, 
But have you ever been around somebody that was extremely weak physically, maybe very close unto death, even the point that they died while you were in the room? And they reached out and said something to you or did something, and you'll never forget it as long as you live. I've had several experiences like that. In some way, God used them in a way that you needed to see God or hear God or be reminded of God. And so as we look at this, I just want to quickly share with you some things that I've, I've learned. Number one, I have learned to accept the facts, just the facts. We do get older. We do get sick. We do go broke. We do have broken relationships. That's, that's life. It's a fact. And, and for you to look like it never happened to you is you got a problem. You don't tell the truth. Life is bad sometimes. And we've got to accept that. Jesus hung on a cross being crucified. Bad things happened to him. They tore his beard out. They ripped his side open. Bad. But that was Friday. But Sunday came. You may be living today on Friday. Sunday's coming. You understand? Sunday is coming. Sometimes our best laid plans go astray. We never expected, although we were a little bit hesitant to do what we did, to enter into a relationship we entered into, we were a little bit hesitant, but we did it anyway. I shouldn't have done that, but I did. I should have did that, but I didn't. Now, you can live back there, or you can take this moment and put the back under the blood of Jesus and be adopted into the family of God and be born again and have a brand new life where today becomes the first day of the rest of your life. But if in the meantime, you just say, I'm just going to get through it. I'll take a couple of drinks, a little drug, a little entertainment. I'll get over it. Might go fishing. Might just go sit under a tree somewhere. That's not the answer. The tree might be a good place to sit under, but you've got to acknowledge the fact I've got a need in my life. I'm hung up. And denying the facts will never bring anything but agony. But the truth, the Bible says, will set you free. Once you realize, I am just simply going through a valley, but I'm going through with the Lord. The absolute fact today is that many people both here in this auditorium and watching or listening or living today in the valley. It's tough. It's tough. I want you to know God knows that. And God wants to do something in your life if you'll just let him. Jeremiah warned God's people that Jerusalem was going to fall. A nation that rejects God will fall. You hear me, America? The nation that rejects God will fall. 
Jerusalem fell. He warned them it would fall, but they, they refused to believe it. But it happened. But God didn't leave them. He did not forsake them when Nebuchadnezzar moved in and Babylon was in control over them. God's people, which were called by God's name, humbled themselves and prayed. They began to get things right with God. And even in the prisons of Babylon, many were set free. But we must understand when we're in those kind of times, we've got to accept reality. It's not in our imagination. We can't turn the clock back. But no situation has to be permanent. It can be a going through. You know what? There's only one thing that lasts forever, and that's salvation. That's the only thing you'll ever be given that will last you for all of eternity is the gift of salvation. Have you received that gift? It's been offered to you. I saw the other day somebody sent me on the email where, where all this money, this billions of dollars in Texas that belongs to some of us. I don't know who it is, you know. But uh, anyway, it says get on the list, you know, all of this money, you know. I, I, I can't imagine how many are with their computers. Man, I got to be on there. You know, I'm going to spend six months trying to find my name. I know somebody somewhere left me a fortune. <laughs> You're probably not on that list, but I'll tell you a list you are on. You're on a list that God has prepared that says, for whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. I will give you eternal life, and I will never let anybody pluck you out of my hand. I will never leave you. That's whosoever will, not the elect or the, or the ones that feel like they are lucky. Don't get discouraged. Let me give you some reasons why. I want you to know you're important to God. Did you hear me? You are important to God. You say, not me. Nobody loves me. Listen. Listen to me. You matter to God. If everybody rejects you, you matter to God. You are very, 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 very important. Don't minimize that. God makes no junk. That's what Ethel Waters said years ago. God don't make no junk. When God made you, he made you in his image with a purpose. And some have chosen to give their life to God while others have chose to not give their life to God. And those that have not are missing out on the blessing God created them for while those that have received it have received more than they ever deserved. Every single one of us. Now, let me just quickly say something. It's not the same, but I want to add to it. You matter to God, and you're of eternal value, eternal value. Not as long as somebody can use you. You're of eternal value. You get in a relationship that's an eternal relationship, not as long as you're young, and then you're thrown aside, and somebody a little younger is brought into the situation. Or you're fired, and you get another job. This company hates you. This one likes you. Five years from now, they hate you, and this one likes you, and that's where it's been. You win a few, you lose a few. Not with God. You win them all. You are of eternal worth. Now, we are human. We are not perfect, nor are we evil. 
There is one perfect, and that's God. There is one evil, that's Satan, and you're neither. You are not God, and you're not the devil. I am not God, and I am not the devil. But I am an inheritor of original sin from the evil one, but God can set me free and has set me free. And that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to take you just as you are. You ever trade in your used car? Where do you go? Get it washed, get it serviced, patch up this, patch up that. Why? Because I just want it to look better than it really is. You don't have to do that when you come to Jesus. His blood cleanses from every sin. All you do is just let this get into the blood, and the blood cleanses you from every single sin. Only God can do that. Only God. Now, that's the good news. Can I give you a little bad news? I'll be real brief on this because nobody likes bad news. You're vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. You hear me? We're vulnerable. Temptation comes to every one of us every day. In the flesh, none of us can stand the evil one in the flesh. But when God comes into your life, it's easy to say no. It's easy to step away from the crowded line and get into the narrow line. If God comes in, if God doesn't come in and only religion comes in, or you feel like if I just join a church and put a little bit of money in the box on Sunday, then I'm going to be fine. You've missed it. Don't waste your time. But if you want a brand new life, Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says now is the accepted time. I've never met a person that ever said, I wish I'd never gotten saved. I've seen a whole lot of folks on the other side, a whole lot. And I'm not out in that world like many of you are because of the call God has of what I do for every day. You understand what I'm saying? But I want you to understand that you're going to hurt you're going to get wounded. You can't put your guard down. You're going to find yourself, I can't believe I said that. I cannot believe I'm thinking like I'm thinking. How in the world could I walk out on, on that situation? That's going to happen. Unless every day you remind yourself that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. But you can't run off. You can't go hide. People say, I've been away from God recently. No, you had not been away from God. If you're a child of God, you have not been away from God. Because he lives in you. <laughs> you can't get away from him. That's why you've been so miserable. I've said this probably 50 years, no telling how many times. When you are born again, you have enjoyed your last sin. You haven't committed your last sin, but you have enjoyed your last sin. Because no believer enjoys living in sin. You can't stand it. If you've ever been cleaned, you hate to go back. But sometimes we do. But God's grace is still there. It's still there. Aren't you glad there's a future for failures? Most of us wouldn't even be born again if that were not the case. You know, whenever I was little... And took a shot. I hated shots. I still don't like needles. I'd never be a drug addict if it was just H2O in the, in the thing. 
He wants to run around and get a shot. But you know what? I've learned medic medically. The shot may hurt, but it's supposed to make us stronger. The blood of Christ strengthens us. And if we can understand that, that he wants to take us and not knock us down, not condemn us, but he wants to go and sin no more. Whatever you've experienced in your life can't be taken away. Your bad memories can't. Your good memories can't. Anybody here make a horrible decision? Yeah. Listen to Mark 8, 12. And he sighed deeply. This is Jesus. He did not sin. But listen to this. He hurt. He was so disappointed. Here's what he said. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. People are looking for signs today. We don't need a sign. He came. He died. He rose. He ascended. He's coming back. We don't need a sign. He doesn't say follow the sign. He says follow me. And I will lead you where you need to go. But again, we're in the meantime. So philosophically, let me add another point here. We must have faith to believe that God is, go- is involved in whatever's going on in your life right now. If you're mad, I've already said something that's just got you mad. You think God made you mad? Satan made you mad. Well, why does it even bother you? Because the love of God is wanting to just hold you up. He's wanting to pick you up. He's wanting to clean you up. He's wanting to set you on a solid rock. He wants to take you out of the loser's column and put you over in the winner's column. And you haven't, you've not experienced that. But today you could. Wherever you are today, that could happen to you. So, in the meantime, in this time, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get angry and reject the love of God. Don't say, nobody could love me. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I'm not the Savior. He's the Savior. And he knows what you've done, and he knows what you thought about doing, and by the grace of God, you didn't do it. But it hadn't hadn't put one ounce of his love away from you. All love comes from the Father. All of it is still yours. In Jeremiah 29, 4, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and to all that are carried away captives, whom I've caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, And he speaks to them again as to how they have their families. I mean, their houses were destroyed in Jerusalem. Now their families are being destroyed in Babylon. And God comes into the middle of that. And here's what he says in the 11th verse of Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God had to do some very, very difficult things, even for him to do, I'm sure, except for the fact he knew why he was doing them in order to bring any of us home. And we must remember that the strongest faith that we can have is to just take God at his word that he has never left us nor forsaken us 
even if the facts look like he has. I know there are people today that are listening. It looks like I've messed up. There's no hope. I'm going to quit. There's so many take their own life. Why? I've made too many mistakes. Oh, my goodness. Don't let that, don't let that take you. You come to the Lord, and he will set you free. The silence of God does not mean the absence of God. He's here. Well, I didn't hear him. Just be still and know that he is God. Feel loved today. I don't want you to go out of here under conviction. I want you to go out here free with a pardon in your hand that no judge or no jury can ever take away from you. Signed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to take a hold of you and use you for his glory in the way he chooses. And there's blessings unspeakable out there for you. If you'll just trust him, only trust him, we sing, only trust him, he will save you. He will save you. But timing is everything. Solomon said there's a time to live and there's a time to die. We must believe that God is able to deliver us. We must believe that he is able to exceeding abundantly above all he thinks or asks, like he said. And if God chooses not to do it our way, he will do it his way if you'll trust him. Remember Frank Sinatra? He did it his way. Young people don't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry, I'll get through this quick. Frank Sinatra's signature song was, I did it God's way. I did it my way. I just want to inform you that don't know he is dead. He did it his way, but he is dead. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, and he is alive. He is risen, like he said. He is risen. He's alive. And the Holy Spirit wants to come to live in your life. The world's ways are temporal, but God's ways are eternal. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. You need to start working on these muscles a little bit more. I get to look at people every week, and I can see some every time I speak. I can't wait for 1230 to get here. So I can go home and watch as the stomach turns. About to miss my episode of it. God's got a sense of humor. I think of that every time I look in the mirror. God's got a sense of humor. (laughs) But could I ask you to do something before we close? While we're waiting on God to return. Change your faith. If your faith is in the things of this world, your money, your health, your looks, your marriage, your parents, your children, your government. No. Don't do that. Put your hope in him. Take this moment to just stop and be still and know 
that God wants to come into your life. If God were to take, care, take charge of your life today, what would you change? If God were to take charge of America, what would we change? You want to know what the candidates, what difference would you make? If I vote for you, what difference are you going to make? Why don't you ask God that question? God, if you take hold of America, who claims to be one nation under God, what changes would you make? Do you think that he would just wipe out all the evil by just wiping it out and punishing and all this? No, 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 no. But if he be lifted up, he would draw people to him. If people knew who Jesus is, they would flock to him. But they don't know. They don't know. And many of our churches are afraid to tell them because they're going to run off. So don't tell people to repent. Don't tell people about hell. Don't tell people about judgment. This generation doesn't want to hear that. I've heard that over and over again. Listen, that's the only thing that's going to set you free so you can live a life of joy and freedom that you have never known before. God will not take one good thing from those that love him. He is love. He is grace. He is good, but he's God. And that's what I want you to go out with today. You don't have to agree with me. Agree with God. I can't say I would love you unconditionally. I wouldn't. And don't you look so spiritual at me. You wouldn't either. But I know a God that does. I know a God that does. And oh, how good it is. How good it is to see him do it every time this church gets together. I had two ladies run to me a while ago. Different, different, uh, not, not together. They were separate to get a Bible. They came into the room to get their Bible. Tears in their eyes. Both of them grown women. And they gave their heart to Jesus today. They were just like floating angels in there. They were so excited. You could tell by just looking at their celebration. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was lost, now I was found. I once was crippled, but now I'm free to move about. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. That's what it is, folks. It's not being a prude. It's not saying you can't have any fun. It's not saying that you just give up everything. You know, I just like to have a good time. Listen, God is good all the time. And he loves you. He loves you. Well, we need to get busy. We need to get back to to work. Start serving. The best medicine sometimes that we can take is just good old sweat. Quit pouting. Get up out of your easy chair. Go to work for the Lord. Give that word that look and that touch. Sign up for a mission trip. Go somewhere and tell somebody about Jesus. But you can't introduce somebody to somebody you didn't know. Meet him and go. But every day, every day is special to the Lord. Francis, St. Francis of Assisi was hoeing in his garden one day. And as he was hoeing in his garden, here was a guy that took life one day at a time. And so much to be said about him. But anyway, he's hoeing in his garden. Person came up to him. Here's a question. 
What would you do if you had six hours to live? He said, I'd, I would just keep hoeing my garden until I got finished. He said, if I had, somebody said, not me. Man, if I had six hours to live, I'd, oh goodness, I'd have to make a lot of emails, a lot of calls. I mean, he said, no, I'd just keep on doing what I'm doing. You remember the astronaut Neil Armstrong? He was asked, if word came to you that you could not reattach the command module, what would you do if NASA told you you have six hours of oxygen? What would you do? He said, I, I'd keep working on this motor. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people say, I'd just throw my wrench out into space and get on my knees and say, oh, God, have mercy on me, center. Said, I'm going to keep working on this motor, you know. God's going to do what he's going to do, but I'm going to try to get this motor going. What do you ought to do? Philosophically say, well, I'm just going to have some kind of mystical faith and float around here in the clouds. No, get to work. Give your heart to the Lord. Find out what God wants you to do and what he's up to and why he made you and get in on it. And you'll be surprised how long you'll keep your job and how long you'll be happy with where you are and how you'll understand that happiness is not one purchase away, not one new job away, not one new boyfriend away, not any of that kind of stuff. Happiness is to know the Savior. But you got to get off a dead center. Like one preacher said, you got to get up off your blessed assurance <laughs> and go to work. Be a servant and quit saying, my name's Jimmy, what you going to give me? <laughs> what can you do for America? What can, not, what can your country do for you? You've heard that statement. Ask not that Kennedy made. But we're so prone to do that. Someone encouraged you this morning. You just go out this door knowing God loves you. Walk by that open tomb out there and look in. He's not there. He's risen. When you look at that cross out there on that freeway, you understand the reason it's put out there is to remind every person that comes down that road how much God loved you. He sent his son to die on that cross. On a Friday, he died, but on a Sunday morning, he came out of that grave. And he is alive, and he wants to live in your life, and he's got your whole life planned out for you. Your whole life. And if you will walk in obedience to his command. The only time you'll stop and have your in the meantimes is when the Lord stops. He knows how much you can endure. He'll never lead you where he cannot sustain you. And when he stops, you stop. But when he goes, you go. And you see how it ends. It's all in the hands of God. Here's what he said in the book. Here's what John wrote. John 9, 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because the night comes when nobody can work. For everybody that's here, it's daytime. It's time to go to work. It's time to get up and move out. And Sagemont Church, tonight we're going to have Sagemont 5, 5 o'clock, 6.30. Our leadership, our volunteer leadership is going to assemble for what we call the summit. And I just want to announce to the whole church, even ahead of, of we'll be going a lot of details this afternoon, but our staff has been together for many, many days. And we're going to be making some changes at Sagemont in our children's area. Just, and you're going to hear a lot of them. Let me tell you about our boys and girls. They're the most precious thing on the planet. They're, the most, they're not going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They already are the greatest. And this church for 50 years has put the children first. The second building we ever built cost $2,500 and it was a nursery. The old white building, you can go over there and see it over in Pasadena. It's over in a field over there. 
the children's building is bigger than this building. We love our children. But listen, our children are so special to the Lord. All of our leadership has got together. We're going to start teaching our kids how to give. They don't know how to give. We're going to teach them about missions. We're going to teach them that their life matters to God, that God has a plan for their life. We're going to come along beside you parents and ask you, how can we help you rear your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so your children can see it's not cool to live like the devil. It's cool to know the Savior. It's cool to have a mom and dad that loves you and cares about you. And let me tell you what we're going to do, and my time has run out, that I believe will be the greatest thing that our church can do. We're going to have four times a year on the fifth Sunday of every month, corporate worship, when all of these children are going to come in here and all of our teenagers and all everybody, and we're going to let six-year-olds see their mother and daddy worship and their bigger sister and their bigger brother worship and their grandma and their grandpa worship. They've never seen that before in a lot of places. And we're going to help here to make sure that four times a year, our families see their children responding to Jesus Christ. Okay. So I want you to pray for us. And then we're going to put that missions on their heart and just say, Hey, God got a plan for your life. And you can be a missionary at school. You can be a missionary in the neighborhood. You can be a missionary to your best friend. In the service a while ago, Wes, I, I'm sure, uh, uh, Wade, I'm sure you know that this happened, but Rick Scarborough, pastor of uh, uh, Pearland First Baptist, he came and baptized his son a few weeks ago. I don't know if you heard that, but this man has a tremendous ministry in America. But anyway, he came and baptized his son, raised in a preacher's home, and he got saved as a man. Now, the children, the grandchildren have gotten saved, and they gave their testimony to those little kids when daddy got saved, it changed the whole household. That's the way it works. And those children, when he said, when did you get saved? He said, November the 23rd, 2015. You know, that kind of stuff. Just gave it just like that. That's what we want, folks, is to take a church where there's people that in the meantime, I'm going to pray and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give and we're going to do it together for the glory of God.